Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. Post-fight thoughts. Dun-dun-dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys, you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Listen to me on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, I'll be there. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash FightJunkie2006. Upset, 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 a big upset. Ruiz stops Joshua in seven, knocks his ass down four times, takes all the belts, the undefeated record, and has a big money rematch already set up. I hope, I pray that you guys listen to that pre-fight podcast that we did. If you missed it, if you want to go back and re-listen to it and you're on YouTube, icon, upper right corner, click it. It will link back. I told you guys, Ruiz was underrated. That physique that everybody talked about. That idea that it was too small, too chubby. Just didn't bring the skills to topple the giant. It was a dangerous way to think. That's why I recommended taking the over 4.5. I didn't call the outright upset. Let me be clear from the start. But the over 4.5, because Ruiz has been durable, he's shown that Mexican toughness, that heart, that dedication, the willingness to go in there and go get it. And if you've watched AJ, been watching AJ, you've seen vulnerabilities there. That's why let me address this idea, which started on the broadcast, which is totally ridiculous, that this upset of Ruiz over AJ is anywhere near as big an upset as Tyson and Douglas. Nowhere near. It's not even close. Because Tyson was uh, looked at as invincible. Anyone who's been following these two fighters did not think AJ was invincible. I even spoke about it in the pre-fight podcast why everybody wanted to see the Wilder fight because AJ has been down before. He has hit the stamina wall before. He has looked like he's ready to lose the undefeated record in the titles. I mentioned that in the of, of his fight with Klitschko that Klitschko was seconds away from winning that fight. Had he went balls deep, he would have knocked AJ out and been the champion. It's ridiculous because this is a significant upset that people believe this rivals Tyson Douglas. That is not giving credit where credit is due to what Tyson was in his prime at the point that he lost that fight. Not to mention the fact that Ruiz has been looking very good for a short and chubby as he is. A lot of people think he's still undefeated. A lot of people think he beat Parker. And anybody knew going into this that he brought a certain set of tools that if what we saw tonight was going to happen, AJ was going to be in trouble. What do I mean by if we saw what we saw tonight? If AJ hit that stamina wall, if AJ got wild and caught in between, if AJ went balls to the wall and could not get Ruiz out. I mentioned all of these. In the pre-fight podcast, I'm not just talking smack now. Go back, click the icon, listen to it from start to finish. I said all of these things were dangerous for AJ going in. If he came out balls to the wall and couldn't get Ruiz out, 
He was in deep shit. I say it right on the podcast before the fight because he's shown stamina issues before and Ruiz is not the type of guy that you can fade against. He's going to put massive amounts of pressure on you. He's going to be right in your face. He's not going to let you breathe, a.k.a. recover. And you saw that after the brutal third round where Ruiz got dropped and got back up. What happened? AJ got caught in a wild exchange and he never fully recovered. The same thing happened in the Klitschko fight, but Klitschko didn't keep that constant pressure on him and he allowed AJ to sit in spots and recover, just like AJ was trying to do against Ruiz, but he couldn't fully recover because he had to keep the jab in Ruiz's face to keep Ruiz off of him, so he couldn't fully sit back and let his stamina regroup. He was always doing something, even if it was a little something, he was always expending energy. And that's why you saw him never fully recover. After the third round and he goes down twice, what's it look like? It looks just like the Klitschko fight. It looks like he is dead tired, done, and over with. And we mentioned this in the pre-fight podcast. If he hit that wall, regardless of how it happened, whether it was he went balls deep and couldn't get him out, or if Ruiz just brought him into deep waters and started to drown him, he was in a big, big trouble there was no question in my mind that if he hit that wall he was in trouble because I've watched Ruiz I've watched AJ and I knew that the possibility of the upset was there when you're talking about Tyson Douglas this is totally different so these people need to get their they they need to get their history straight they need to go back and look at what Tyson was leading up until that point and what people thought of Douglas listen there's a lot of uninformed people out there that were talking about Ruiz based off of his fat gut go back listen to the pre-fight podcast where I say this cat is underrated this cat don't be fooled by the way that he looks because he's a better fighter than people give him credit for and if AJ does not fight the correct fight if his game plan is not on he's going to be in trouble there are tools and skill set there with Ruiz that people overlook because he doesn't look like Joshua he doesn't look like an Adonis he's not a big heavyweight he probably could make cruiserweight all of these things and they dismissed it not realizing that from even his amateur career there are vulnerabilities with AJ listen I believe in this podcast the previous podcast I even mentioned the 550 the 6 to 1 line on AJ inside and I said at some point in time people are going to get burned with this because it's very very dangerous when you have fighters like this who show vulnerabilities and believe me Hey, everybody can be high on AJ. Of course, he did a lot of great things and he's very dynamic and exciting. But there were vulnerabilities there. And when you're laying the kind of lines that were that were coming out on AJ, you see this on Wilder as well. He's got these vulnerabilities. You're going to get burned at some point in time because you can only go to that well so many times. And how much of a bankroll hit do you take when you drop two, three, four G's on Joshua straight and he loses? It doesn't take many of those to wipe out all of your profits that you've been winning on him because you have to lay so much juice. Even inside, you're talking, I said he'd probably go to six to one. Last I saw, he's minus 590. 
Ruiz inside was almost as high as 25 to 1 at one point. And last I checked, come uh, fight night, it was roughly around 1500 So there was some money on the Doughboy inside, and those people got cashed. But the majority of people were playing the big line on AJ. And that's why we always talk about risk versus reward because it's dangerous, guy. It's very, very dangerous, especially against the guy that had shown vulnerabilities. That's why I don't think it's even comparable. Andy Ruiz was not a freaking 100 to 1 underdog. I mean, I believe there was one book in Vegas that carried the Tyson fight. I believe it was a Mirage. And I know a lot of people say 100 to 1, but I don't actually believe that's accurate. I believe the actual line on Tyson was a 40 to 1 favorite. So Andy Ruiz was nowhere near that type of underdog, and Joshua was nowhere near that type of favorite. He didn't deserve to be. That would have been outrageous to begin with. And he didn't have that aura around him like Tyson did, that uh, indestructible aura that nobody could beat him and he was just wrecking people left and right uh joshua has been through adversity so i think the comparisons are asinine and i know people get caught up in the hype and it just happened and it is a big upset but come on people i mean let's get real here it's nowhere near that type of upset and ruiz is uh, i think a better more accomplished fighter at that point of the fight than what douglas was nobody gave douglas a shot for a reason that was the way they perceived him as well as the way they perceived tyson where anybody who's actually been watching these two fight uh understand what i'm talking about with the vulnerabilities with aj and the underratedness of ruiz coming into this fight um so what's the point here? Well, I don't like to always come in and say, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so, because a lot of times I don't get it right and I'm not perfect. We've spoke about that many times, but sometimes I am on. And more importantly, what I'm not telling you is uh, I told you so, because I didn't pick Ruiz to upset him, but I did pick the over 4.5, which did come in. I did point out uh, the vulnerabilities of AJ and the danger in this fight if things didn't go to uh, according to plan but more importantly just listen that's that's basically what i'm just uh trying to explain to you guys just listen it doesn't matter if it's me or somebody else but when you're trying to absorb the information so when you listen to the podcast just listen and try to find those little nuggets i always talk about that i expect all of you guys to do your own research i don't expect you guys to hang on my every word and think i'm a boxing god that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is if there's anything that i say that makes you question how you're capping, that makes you question how you're looking at the fight, that makes you look at things differently, that's a good thing. Go back, do your research, look at what I'm saying, see if you can prove it correct or disprove it. Either way, it doesn't matter what side I'm on, what side you're on, I'm always trying to give you both sides and there's a reason I do that because I'm trying to cap it down and make you think. I'm trying to break it down so you guys think, so you research, so you look at the whole total package and not just one fighter, not just one strength, not just one weakness on one side. So when I do those pre-fight podcasts, that's basically what it's about. I give you my opinion, but I don't expect you to go out and bet your house on my opinion. All I'm trying to do is get you to think to do your own research and hopefully I can guide you down one road or the other or maybe pull you back if you thought it was a better bet than what I do and maybe there's something I say that makes total sense to you that you that you didn't notice that you overlooked that happens so I'm just hopeful that the information I'm providing you 
the time I'm taking to spit on the podcast here, to spit on the mic, somehow, some way improved your capping, whether it's overall, that would be the best bet. But even if it's just per fight moving forward to show you little things that maybe you overlooked, because listen, everybody's busy. Not everybody has the, uh, time that I have to do this because this is what I do. You may work a nine to five. You may have to take the kids to soccer practice, or in this case, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or boxing. You may have, you know, the wife nagging at you. You may have a part-time job or two jobs. Who knows what the hell your situation is? So hopefully with my experience and, and my ability to, I hope, to be able to get across my point to you guys that can cut out some of the time that's necessary to do this consistently and accurately and be able to win because it's not easy and that's why I've joked around before about how there's a one person or a couple of people that seem to be experts in every single sport and I go that's impossible how, how the hell can you do it because I barely have enough time to cap boxing and MMA so how the hell are you capping boxing, MMA, football, baseball, basketball, bowling, tennis? It's ridiculous. What they're doing is they're doing that 50-50, the old scam of you send half the people this pick and half the people that pick and you're going to be right half the time. It's bullshit. So there's a lot of con artists out there and that's why I tell you guys I focus on combat sports. That doesn't mean I don't bet MLB or totals on other stuff or all this other stuff but when I'm talking to you guys and what I focus on for my career and as far as my betting bankroll goes what I'm focused on it's combat sports specifically boxing and MMA. One I've been doing it forever but two it takes a tremendous amount of time. There's a reason that the people on social media now that follow each other, conversate with people and respect one another are the same people from the beginning of the internet that were talking in chat rooms and on forums long ago that have somehow developed a relationship and connected because these are the people that are the real deal that have that have proven the test of time they've been there we've been doing this in the beginning of the internet and that's a very very small amount of people you're going to see a lot of people hop in and out you're going to see a lot of people claim that they're experts on everything under the sun but the real deal the people that have been in this game i'm talking decades we all know each other we don't always agree but guess what we respect each other's opinions we respect the process that each person goes through to come up with their pick to come up with their analysis because a it's not easy b it's time consuming and c you gotta be real to do this consistently and win do we win all the time no Nobody wins all the time. I don't care if you're the freaking odds maker that sets the lines. You don't win all the time. People get it wrong. Simply things happen. Sometimes, like I said, you just don't put in enough time. And that's why I'm telling you guys, listen, it doesn't need to be me, but find people that are like that. Find a group of people that are like that. Find somebody that is real because anybody that is real will tell you those same things I'm telling you. And on the flip side, they will tell you this. If they screw around and life gets in the way and they don't put enough time in to cap their fights correctly, more often than not, 
they will lose. It's happened to me and it's happened to other people. Maybe that's why I don't bet every single fight. That's why there's 14, 15, 16 cards on a UFC card. You will never see me do that many. The most is probably five and that's pushing it. Why? Not because that doesn't mean I can't do it because I know the correct way to do it. You need to look at the card, find those gems, go with those gems, and then what? It takes time, real dedication when you're digging in there like a mole to figure out what the best opportunity is. Because you've got those pretenders out there who will say, oh yeah, I'm taking AJ over Ruiz. That's it. The guy's minus 4,000. Then when he wins, AJ won. You realize you just told everybody to bet four G's to win $100. That's easy, guys. You can play that game all day long. And then when AJ loses like he did tonight, they go, oh, that was an upset. Not realizing that you just cost everybody who was listening to you four G's. And how did that hurt their bankroll? How many more wins are they going to have to get back to even reach the same amount that they've lost on one single fight? Imagine if you were playing AJ straight throughout this entire time, betting whatever, $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 to win $100. How long it would take you to win four G's that you just lost in one fight? Risk versus reward. The real people will tell you these things. The real people will tell you they're not perfect. The real people will explain the risks involved with taking large favorites. The real people will steer you towards other things like over 4.5 rounds. They will look at the total picture. And to do that, you have to have the time. So I understand not everybody has the time. So I'm hopeful that I'm providing you guys with value. Either which way, if you were for AJ or you are for Ruiz or if it's MMA, I don't care what it is. I'm just hoping somewhere throughout my entire analysis, you guys are finding a little golden nugget that helps you on your journey. Because in the end, I'm hoping you guys make a ton of bank. It truly, honestly is not about me winning or throwing it in your face or being braggadocious or any of that. I joke around with you guys and I will come on and say, I told you so. But in the end, does that help my bankroll no it's just an ego thing right we joke around we kid around but anybody who's been following me for over a decade understands that's not me i'm it doesn't matter to i want everybody to cash i've always said this if i lose i hope my followers out there are winning i hope the other cappers that i i follow and i respect and we communicate with i hope they're winning i don't want everybody to lose when i lose I'm just hoping that I'm explaining things well enough that I'm giving you guys enough information, enough value that you're able to put more coin in your pocket than when you weren't listening to me. So when you listen to me, whether it's like I said, I lose, you win, I don't care because at at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing it for real. So if I can help anybody else, I'm going to do that for as long as I can do that. And what do I always talk about? I talk about time. If this ever ended for me, it would be due to time. We've spoken about this before. Like there's a lot of things that people would want from this channel and a lot of things, directions we could take this, but it comes down to time. That's why I don't even rag on the people that charge 
for their picks or have advertising or merch or any of that because it does take time. And a lot of people aren't doing this full time for a career or haven't been. So they need to supplement their time because when they're on the mic spitting to you or they're writing up their articles or they're doing their YouTube videos in actual video format, not podcasts. You know, if they're doing all of these things, if they're uh, communicating with you on social media, it's taking away from something else. And that could be their job, their wives. It could be the actual capping. So I understand that some people need to supplement and who the hell knows where this leads for me. Maybe someday I need to do that to justify the amount of time that I spend. But as of right now, I'm just hoping that the way we're doing it right now is providing you guys enough value that the information I'm giving you allows you to be more confident in what you're looking at. And it's okay if you said, oh, I think AJ's going to win and he's going to knock him out in three rounds. And then you listen to my podcast and you go, wait a minute, I have doubts now. I wonder if what Fight Junkie said is really accurate. Let me go back and look at this. And say you pulled back your bet. Say you pulled back half your bet and you still lost. Guess what? That's a good thing because you could have lost four G's instead of two. You are in the learning process. You are taking that information. You just cut your risk, your loss in half by taking the time to find a golden nugget or two. Then go do your research and see if you can confirm, in your opinion, if that nugget was accurate or not. And that's what the whole game is here, to try to make everybody, including myself, a better capper. Like I've always said, I enjoy doing this for you guys. I enjoy communicating with you guys. I enjoy interacting with you guys because this is what I do. It's what I've always done. So the way I talk to you right now is the way I'm talking to myself or anybody else around me. So for me, it's a win-win because hopefully I'm helping people. And at the same time, I get to meet and interact with amazing people that I otherwise may not have. Now, do I wish the channel was bigger and I could help more people and we could go viral and it would be big? Yeah, because even if you're talking about a, a, a financial sense, I don't really care about that. Because like I said, I don't have any ads. I'm not selling you guys anything. Again, I've never said that wouldn't happen in the future, but... For now, uh, that's not even the case. So it's not like I'm looking to make a bunch of money off of you guys or anything like that. I've had the VIP membership that I switched now because I'm doing the podcast. So I'm giving you all that information for free where I was charging before and the people that were paying for it. I refunded them through the VIP membership and told them, hey, I've switched the setup. I'm trying to reach more people. I'm doing it for free. The podcast is here. The uh, YouTube channel is here. My social media is here. I really am trying to reach as many people as possible because A, what I do is unique and B, not everybody can do it. They can pretend to do it, but not everybody can do it. That's why I said, even if it's not me or if you have other people that you want to cross check their opinions and my opinion, fine. In the end, it really does fall to your shoulders who you follow and how much, uh, how much you put into what they're saying. Like how much worth is their opinion to you? Do you believe what they're saying? Do you just scroll down to the very end and listen to the pick? Are you just looking for a fish or are you looking to learn how to fish? There's a difference. And I'm not saying either way is right. I mean, personally, in my opinion, I would much rather learn how to fish than just be giving, uh, you know, the prediction. 
I find more often than not, people just want the prediction. So I'm sh- I'm certain a lot of people just scroll to the end and listen to what my prediction is, and then they just go from there. But if you want longevity and you want to learn how to be a better capper, then you need to be able to pick the pieces apart. You need to understand what I'm telling you, why I'm telling you, what I'm telling you, and then go and try to do that on your own. Try to replicate the process. You can do it identically. I'm going to give you a fight. I'm going to break it down from A to Z and you go do that exact same same thing on the fight and see if you can follow me from A to Z. You don't have to be perfect. It takes time. You're not going to get it overnight. But what I'm saying is you're going to get skills that way. You're going to build skills. And if you're looking to do this consistently, then that's what you want. You, No matter how good you get, you can always fall back to me. No matter how good, how much money you make, no matter if it's life-changing money, you can always refer back to somebody as a quote-unquote mentor or somebody you respect and take their opinion and factor it in to your analysis. In my opinion, that's a correct way to do it because like I said, nobody's perfect, including myself. So when you're looking at things a certain way and you listen to somebody else who's been there, done that, and is for real, then a lot of times that opens up your eyes to things that you didn't even see and that in the end will make you a better capper. One other thing before we go, I have to talk about the Kaylee, uh, Katie Taylor fight. I thought Taylor lost that fight. I'm going to be point blank. I thought she lost the fight. I know a lot of people out there were making a lot of excuses for her saying it was a close fight and not a robbery. Here's my argument to that. It cannot be a quote unquote robbery and you can still get the wrong decision. Even if you want to say Taylor lost by a point or 10 points, in my book, it doesn't really matter if she still got the decision. I don't believe she earned the decision. I believe her stamina failed her, and I believe she took more punches than she's ever taken in any fight, and this was by far her toughest fight. Should there be a rematch? Of course, without question, but that doesn't That doesn't excuse what, in my opinion, was a bad decision. I don't care if you want to label it a robbery. People were going back and forth and back and forth about, you need to understand what a robbery is. And if you think that's a robbery, you don't know, you need, you don't know boxing, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. If you thought she won the fight and didn't get the decision, the fact of the matter is we have a problem. You can say a person lost a close fight or won a close fight or sometimes it is a robbery. The fact of the matter is if the person that you deem to be the rightful winner doesn't get it, we have an issue. And if you look at that fight round by round, I just think to give Katie Taylor that fight, you have to give her the freaking benefit of the doubt and squint and put on your... Uh, your reading glasses to find those rounds to give her. You have to give her the benefit of the doubt in every single freaking round to give her a 96-94 win on two cards and I believe 95-95 on one. Listen, when they came out with 95-95, I knew right then and there. This is boxing, guys. If you've been around the sport and watched this sport, you knew off that first scorecard that the probability that the underdog had won was slim and none and that Katie Taylor was going to get this decision. This is a simple case of A side and B side, a money fighter versus an unknown fighter, especially in women's boxing. I'm sorry. 
If, if you're going to make the case for Katie Taylor, then the only way you can make it is what? It was a close fight. That's the best you can do. Where if you're going on the opposite side, people are talking rounds and rounds where they believe that she won the fight. That the underdog pulled off the upset. Taylor was something like minus 1,500 straight. And I believe like almost 350 to win by decision. A significant favorite. And she get, happens to get the quote unquote close decision on the cards. This happens all the time in boxing. Let me tell you this. I've told you it before and it's not a surprise to anybody who watches the sport. This is what the three blind mice do. Sometimes they outright make it ridiculous where they would have gave her every single round. Or sometimes they try to play coy and they give it to the house fighter, the A side, the money fighter by a slim margin. And what does everybody say? You could make the case this is what they want. They want people to put the idea, the doubt in people's mind that somehow, some way, Katie Taylor could have scraped it out by the skin of her teeth because she won 96-94. Even though the majority of everybody watching that fight thought Katie Taylor lost that fight. That's an issue. I even tweeted Amanda Serrano and said, Amanda, because they want to set up a super fight. Amanda, you already know what you're facing if it goes to the cards. And she retweeted or she tweeted back. It's not going to the cards. That's the right type of mindset. The same mindset that uh, Taylor's opponent had going into this. Daphne, uh, uh, Delphne, I believe her name is, uh, had the same mindset. Like, I'm just going to bring it to you and try to just grind you into the canvas. Because in a rematch, what more could she do? She literally chased her and landed more punches than any opponent has ever in her pro career. Had her faded and holding and throwing sloppy punches when Taylor doesn't fight that way. Under severe distress the entire fight. And still couldn't pull out the win. So everybody's excited about a rematch. But what does she do differently? She has to finish her. How do you think if she fights the identical fight and is 100% on like she was tonight. That she can win the fight. She couldn't get it done tonight because of the three blind mice. How, how is she going to do it any better than what she already did? Especially if Taylor makes adjustments because she did make mistakes in that fight. She stood and traded with her way too much. Wasn't getting the better of it. And couldn't keep her off with her foot movement because she was tired and wasn't using actual punches to keep her off. She was just trying to move. And obviously that didn't work because her opponent just rushed forward, like hit me with whatever you got to hit me with. You saw her face was all lumped up. She was like, listen, you're not putting me out. I'm going to do what I got to do. Kind of like the Ruiz thing. But Ruiz put Joshua down and out four times and finished him where Taylor didn't go down. So she knew, okay, if I make this to the cards, I'm the A side here. There's a possibility I'm able to get this. I don't think she deserved it at all. But what I'm saying is, when you're looking at this, this is a perfect example of what we're talking about capping. The line will probably be closer than what it was in this fight because everybody thinks she won. 
But you've got to look at, okay, how can she legitimately win? Because it doesn't matter that we thought she won. If you bet on the dog, guess what? You're wiping your ass with that ticket right now because it didn't cash. So in the rematch, you're going to look at it and probably get a worse line than what you would have gotten tonight. And she's going to face the exact same obstacle of not only Katie Taylor's skill set and boxing ability and movement, but the fact that if it goes to the uh, scorecards, she's probably the B-side and gets screwed again. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will suck it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.